Hello, and welcome to the 17th episode of Covenant Conversations. Um, this is Peter Washkowitz in New York. And with me today, I have my colleague, Kevin Eckhart, uh, who, who focuses on uh, bankruptcy issues at Reorg. Kevin, how are you today? I'm good, Peter. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. Uh, so the reason I, I, I brought you on is because uh, Carnival is back in the market today. They are issuing... Uh, $550 million of 2026 U.S. dollar notes, second lien U.S. dollar notes, and 400 million, of, uh, 400 million euros of second lien notes, again, due 2026. Um, this follows the, the company's issuance of $4 billion of first lien notes um, a few months ago. And like those notes, uh, these notes are being issued for uh, general corporate purposes. Uh, you know, the coronavirus is kind of resurging throughout the country. And, you know, who knows when uh, when cruise lines will kind of be back in business. So it's not surprising to see another uh, cruise line issuance. And, you know, I highly doubt this will be the last one. Um, but but, you know, so uh, this uh, these notes had a very interesting provision. Um, it, it was mentioned in the in the firstly notes also, but it, it really comes into play with any uh, secure debt issued after the firstly notes. Um, so what it is is that uh, Carnival has a, a number of existing debt agreements that uh, have a provision that uh, that requires uh, those debt agreements to become equally and radically secured to the extent the company has. Uh, secured debt in excess of 25% of total assets um, at any time that it is uh, it's rated below investment grade. Uh, now the company recently was uh, was downgraded to below uh, investment grade, and so this 25% of total assets uh, mechanism is now in effect and includes the second lien notes. And what what happens is. Um, to the extent the company has secured debt uh, outstanding that exceeds 25% of total assets, any debt that is in excess of that 25% threshold automatically will become unsecured. Uh, the OM for the second lien notes provides that uh, pro forma for the second lien note issuance, there will be $9 billion of secured debt and 25% of the company's total assets uh, is going to be about $13 billion of secured debt. So you know, they have about $4 billion left um, of secure debt capacity before they reach a 25% limit. However, um, of the $51.5 billion of, of the company's total assets, $10.5 billion is cash. And the company has disclosed that uh, its monthly burn rate uh, for cash is $650 million. So while the, there is some cushion to the 25% threshold, it's not inconceivable that at some point in the future they are going to breach this. And so what would happen is that, uh, you know, the company is issuing the 550 million uh, and 400 million euro of these notes. And it's possible that a percentage of the notes will automatically become unsecured. Um, so, I, so, Kevin, I mean, what, you know, just what are some interesting issues that you see kind of from a bankruptcy perspective with this automatic unsecuring of a uh, potential unsecuring of a portion of these secured notes? Well, I, I mean, I think it's absolutely fascinating. It, the, the OM came out a few hours ago. I saw it about 15 minutes ago when you, when you ping the bankruptcy guy saying, hey, <laughs> with following your instincts, which is, hey, this is strange. And in bankruptcy, that could be a real issue. Um, one question for you on the on the burn rate, the 10.6 or 10.5 billion in cash they have. 
Um, I, I didn't have a chance to check this out. Does that include customer deposits? Uh, it, it does, yes. Yeah, so that, that's another potential source of burn rate for them because as cruises continue to get canceled, passengers have the right to ask for refunds. And I think the in most of the disclosures, the SEC disclosures, and I'm talking very generally here, that I've seen the cruise lines are indicating to have around a 50% refund rate, 50% you know, future cruise credit. So there could be a substantial amount of cash that comes out of that. I also don't think that um, that that they are counting the collateral they have to keep for credit card processors for chargebacks, which is the same situation. Instead of getting a refund from from Carnival or or Royal Caribbean, a, a passenger will ask for their credit card company to pay them back, and then the credit card company asks for the money back. So um, the burn rate may be even greater. Than, than their operational monthly loss and, and interest charges and all the things in that 650 because that cash is going out the door um, to passengers and credit card companies that uh, every, every canceled cruising increases that liability. So um, what's really interesting about this is you, you do see these kind of arrangements in intercreditor agreements sometimes where the two L's will agree to, to certain kinds of treatment, but you never see, and, and I haven't in 20 years, seen an arrangement like this where a second lien creditor is deemed wholly unsecured. Uh, the, the language in the LM suggests that not only would they be undersecured, um, in other words, that their debt would exceed the value of the collateral left over after the one L, but they would be deemed automatically unsecured. Now, legally, the judges and the lawyers and the law clerks and the law students who just took bankruptcy will tell you that undersecured is the same as unsecured, that once um, the amount of your claim exceeds the value of your collateral, then you are treated as an unsecured claim. But practically, that's not really the case. Um, undersecured creditors, 2L lenders, in most bankruptcy cases, will get uh, at least some set of goodies in the dip orders and cash collateral orders as a way of buying them off and avoiding the valuation fight and, and being nice to um, secured creditors over unsecured creditors. For example, you will typically see a two-tier adequate protection structure where the 1Ls will get interest payments or regular payments, payment of their expenses, attorney's expenses and fees, replacement liens, super priority claims. And the 2Ls will often get all of that minus the interest payment. So they'll get their attorney's fees paid, they'll get super priority claims, and then they will get, um, they'll get secondary replacement liens. In most cases, those replacement liens for the 2Ls are not very meaningful because if they're undersecured, they've hit 100% of collateral value. So there's nothing left over for those replacement liens to really get paid out of. Um, in this case though, since the cap is at 25%, there is a substantial amount of collateral out there that replacement liens could attach to. So losing that typical 2L adequate protection right is, is very meaningful. And I think practically it's going to be hard for the debtors to give those 2Ls these, uh, these secured creditor goodies, these adequate protection liens and claims and payment of fees and expenses when they are not only undersecured, but under their own credit agreement, um, it hits 25.1% and they're unsecured. 
Um, it also creates some fascinating issues with respect to uh, what happens if the collateral value increases after the bankruptcy is filed. Um, for example, the cruise industry recovers and the debtors um, determine, and the OM says that it's the debtor's determination on this 25% cap. Um, what if the debtors determine that their collateral has increased in value because of a recovery during the case, um, sort of a reverse of the oil and gas cases we saw cratering um, in, in March and April? Can the debtors then deem these guys secured creditors? Can they issue a notice that says we're back over the cap and now these guys are secured again? Well, general unsecured creditors or committee and, and even priority creditors would have a field day with that. Um, and then there's another question as to whether they could then perfect those recovered liens after bankruptcy without court approval. I mean, I mean, it could be a, a 364 lien situation. So it's a really interesting novel situation that could give rise to a lot of fights in bankruptcy and really leave these two L's in a strange position um, between the one L and and other unsecured creditors because they would be in in the boat with the guys who water the plants and the guys who supply the pina colada mix yeah i, for, I forgot to mention just you know uh to, to follow up on what you said so there's a mechanism where uh if you know some a portion of the two l's become unsecured but then down the road and, and this is the language in the om carnival determines that uh it can it can incur more secured debt without breaching the 25 percent threshold it can uh, essentially re-secure uh, the debt that became unsecured. Um, and, and so that's obviously what you're referring to. So, you know, it, like if the if their total assets go up in value after bankruptcy, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's actually a really, that's a nutty situation where, uh, yeah, the, the, effectively the mechanism would be triggered that they could become secured, but now they're in bankruptcy. So, you know, who knows? I assume that what they would do is they tr they'd try to take out new debt and then sneak it into the, into the dip package where the dip lenders agree to lift the 25% or something like that. But there's there's another permutation, which is rather than being friendly to the two L's and trying to get them re-secured, the debtors could effectively subordinate both the one L's and the two L's just by taking on more, more secured indebtedness and pushing them under the 25% or even threatening to do so. Because the mechanism as I read it in the LM, and you, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but the mechanism as I read it is the 25% cap is total indebtedness. So it, it's if the debtors, future carnival, hypothetical carnival debtors, if all of their total indebted, secured indebtedness exceeds 25% of the value of their assets, they could intentionally take on new secured debt, encumber a, a massive portion of their assets with it, and shove both the 1Ls and the 2Ls at their option down into the unsecured class by basically activating this 25%. It would, it would no doubt breach the covenants and the agreements, but as we've talked about on, on prior cruise line webinars and just generally in bankruptcy, if they're already in breach and they've already violated covenants and they need this money desperately, they don't care because breaching covenants doesn't increase their liability um, for the amount loaned, it's it, it's the same amount. So they they have a, a potential trigger to really shove the one L's and the two L's on these notes down into the unsecured class um, at their will. Should they find some more secured indebtedness? So the this this mechanism actually 
it does not apply to the secured notes, but it does apply to the company just uh, entered into a, a, you know, I think it's a $2 billion first lien term loan. So it would definitely apply to that term loan and the 2L notes, but it's any debt that's incurred after the, the 1L secured note. So um, that, that scenario could not happen with the, with the 1L notes, but certainly could happen with, with the term loan lenders. Right. Okay. With the term loans and with the 2Ls. So that's, yeah. I mean, that gives the one, yeah, that gives the 1L a better position, but it still gives the debtors a pretty, if they are debtors, a pretty powerful option to um, to push those guys down into the unsecured class by taking on new secured indebtedness, and um, it, it could be a real problem for them. So it's it, there's a lot of debtor optionality in terms of both improving the position of these of these notes and the term loan, or or, or hurting them very deeply. And there's a lot of potential for litigation in a bankruptcy case over the value of assets and, and this 25% cap and whether the debtors um, could reactivate it. So it's really interesting stuff. So these are just my 15 minute observations. I'm sure there's more that we can think of, but um, it's, it's really interesting. And in 20 years, I've never seen anything like it. All right. Well, Kevin, we, uh, yeah, Kevin, Kevin, and I did a uh, podcast on the, on the cruise lines a few weeks ago. We're doing one on the airlines uh, uh, Kevin, I think our next our next uh, goal should be to actually take a trip together. We can, you know, get fun. <laughs> anyway, uh, Kevin, thanks so much for uh, for jumping on so quickly. And um, and yeah, I, I have a feeling this will not be the last that we are discussing these uh, discussing these new secondly notes. Yeah, well, and we'll see if this structure perpetuates in these companies like airlines with, you know, a, a heavy asset base that is. Um, that has these kind of options where they can uh, they can do this kind of thing. Yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, thank you very much for listening. And Kevin, uh, thanks as always for uh, for those uh, those insights. Very, very, very interesting. Hey, no problem, Peter. Have a good one. Uh, you too. Take care.